Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Matthew 28, reading from verse 17. The Word of God says, let's read from 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so, Father, we come before you this morning. We're just so glad to be in the house of God. We're so glad to be in your presence. We're so glad that there's a place where we can come and worship and glorify you. As we go into this word, Lord God, I just pray that you would speak to us, remind us, uh, of what the church is really all about, Lord God. And I, I, I pray that by the Holy Spirit that uh, you would speak into our word, into our hearts a word that we need to hear, Lord God. To be uh, your spirit be present, Father God, to speak. We're hungry for your word, Lord God. There be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Just let there be freedom to speak and to receive this word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, I know some of you are getting nervous because we haven't taken an offering. I, I can see that. I can just feel the tension in the service. Uh, we're going to do it at the end, all right? So don't, don't, don't stress. It's going to be okay, all right? I want to speak today on an important subject as we move into two English services. Um, title for this message is Pray, Care, and Share. All right, say it with me. Pray, Care, and Share. Uh, as we move into this new season in our church, I want us to be clear on what this is all about. Uh, two English services, not about more numbers, easier parking, easier seating. Uh, this is not about being able to say that we have more services in our church. That ultimately, this is about seeing people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, when Jesus was about to return to heaven, he spoke to his disciples, as we read in our text, and he made it crystal clear to them what the mission ought to be, what their mission ought to be, what it is that they should focus their lives on as, as they went from that place. Jesus says to his disciples, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There was, there was no ambiguity there. Um, there was no, well... You know, who knows what God really wants us to do? The disciples were to be clear. They had, to, they had a clear message as to what it is that they needed to do. Mission, he gave his disciples the same mission he's given for the church today. And later he spoke to, spoke to his disciples and told them to go and wait in Jerusalem. He said to them, but you shall receive, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We know that verse, we know it by memory. It's, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's a great verse. We love it as a church. We quote this scripture continuously. We're a Pentecostal church. We love this scripture and we quote it forever. And we love the word power. 
We want to see the power of God manifest in our lives, in our church, in our marriages, in our health. We want to see miracles and signs and wonders and the power of God manifest. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that there ought to be a sense where, God, we just want to see your power manifest amongst us. How many people would say amen to that? But listen carefully. The reason why God wants to give us power is so that we can be witnesses. So that we can convey the powerful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that we could see people come to know not a religion and not a church, but Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That, that's what the church is all about. That's the message of the church. It's the mission of the church. It's the vision of the church. And we must never forget that. This theme runs throughout the whole Bible. Daniel says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and the one who, who is wise saves lives, wins souls. Jesus said as he looked at the multitudes, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless and like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is looking at the crowds and his initial reaction is compassion. Something is stirred within him and, 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 and he sees them as a group that are harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to his disciples, he turns to his disciples and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's as if he was saying to his disciples, listen, listen, the harvest is, there's a great need out there. And I'm calling you to meet that particular need. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. That's always been the problem. The problem has never been the harvest field. The problem has always been workers. We live in a nation and, and, you know, as ministers, we often get together and as Christians, we get together uh, and, and we, 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 with, with pastors from other nations and we go, oh, Australia's really hard, <laughs> you know. It's really hard to be a Christian in Australia. I talk to the guys from Italy, oh, it's really hard to be a Christian in Italy and to evangelize. And you talk to the guys in Germany, oh, it's really hard. It's always been hard. But the needs are always the same. Jesus saw the crowds and he was moved with compassion. Jesus saw the crowds. He didn't say they were, it was hard. He was moved. He saw the needs. He saw that they were helpless. And he said, you know what we need? What we need is workers. And I pray that the Lord would open up our eyes and our hearts to see in the name of Jesus. Can I, can I hear an amen? Amen. Paul prayed uh, for the church, uh, and, he, and he said, this is Philemon, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And here's what we need to be careful of as a church, that we focus on the power gifts. I've got no, no problem with that, to see the power of God manifest, see miracles, signs and wonders, you know, and, and, and there's this, almost this obsession with power, but how passionate are we about seeing people come to Christ? How, how passionate are we as a church to see people come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ? We're, we're chasing power. Oh, there's this speaker down the road and oh, he moves in the power. Well, oh, that's great. I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to see the power of God manifest. There's, there's a desperation inside of me that is saying, God, God, where is the God of Elijah? But how passionate are we about seeing people come to Christ? When we walk the streets, do we grieve and say, you know, what's going to happen to our nation? Why is the nation in the mess that it's in today? I tell you why the nation's in the mess that it's in today. It's not because of what's happening politically and in our university. What's happening to the church? Hmm. As Christians, we get so observed in worship, and yet when it comes to communicating our faith, it seems so difficult. 
I thank God for the worship that we have in this church. We, 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 we need to be grateful to God for the worship team that we have in this church. Can I hear just a little amen somewhere? I love the team. The worship leaders are, are amazing. We've got, we got a great team. They, they, they're, not just, they're not just musicians. They are worshipers. And that's, that's why it moves us into worship. They don't just pick any song. That's, that's the latest song. They pray about the songs they're going to choose and, and so on. And it's, it's just powerful. Nothing wrong with any of that. But Jesus never said to his disciples, go and write songs. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Come on, can I hear an amen? Man, this is getting tough. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> it's going to get better in a minute. I promise you. Uh, if there was something that consumed the heart of Jesus, it was the lost. And if that consumed the heart of God, it ought to consume the heart of the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So as we, as we make this transition into a second English service, I, I, I want to remind us as a church of our mission. I want to remind us as a church what this really is all about. I want us not to be distracted by numbers or size or frustrations or being a pastor. Joe, I couldn't get an easy car park this morning. I don't know what's, what's happening. I'm, I, just, I just I don't like this 10.15 or 11.45. I don't want us to be distracted by the frustrations. I want us to be reminded that this is all about seeing those who are far from God come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Come on, church. That's what this is all about. I remember, you know, some years ago when the balcony was completely empty and, and we started to pray as a church. Oh, God, would you, would you, we, come on, God, we want to see more people come to a knowledge of Christ. I want to see that. I want to see people serving you. And we started to pray and, and, and the balcony was completely full. And I, I don't know, that might not surprise some of you. It, it, it surprised me. <laughs> you thought you had a spiritual pastor, but he's not that spiritual, you know. Um, and we want to see that again and again and again in the name of Jesus. Paul was writing to the Roman church and he says, this is why I'm, I'm eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I, I, I love that scripture because Paul is writing to the Roman church. He's saying, I'm so eager to preach the gospel to you. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. Paul understood something about the power of the gospel, the change and the transformation it could bring. So too, as a church, we need to be careful that we're not distracted by programs and buildings and numbers, that we make sure that we are focused on the mission of the church. And the mission of the church is to see people come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Question is, how's that going to become a reality? How's this going to become a reality? What, what are some things that we can do to, to make sure that this actually becomes a reality? Well, this morning I want to give you a simple strategy um, to be able to share Christ. And, and some of the thoughts of this message come from a book called uh, Natural Evangelism, written by a guy called J. John. Uh, just a great, great guy and uh, simple principles, but very powerful. Uh, three things we need to do if we're going to see people come to a knowledge of Christ. First key strategy to sharing our faith is prayer. It's prayer. If we're going to see people come to Christ, we need to pray for people. When we pray, coincidences happen. Listen carefully. When we pray, coincidences happen. When we don't pray, they don't happen. Can I hear an amen? Reminds me of a story about a pastor that... Uh, ki kids were, you know, nagging him for a, for a kitten. And uh, so he buys them this kitten for his children. And uh, the kids are playing with this kitten. They want to teach the kitten to climb up trees. And so they put this uh, kitten onto one of the branches. And, it, and the kitten just 
just shoots up to the top. As it's going up to the top, it falls off the branch and it's hanging on by two paws. Kids are distressed. They don't know what to do. They go in and they call their, their dad. He's a pastor. He knows everything. Pastor, he, dad comes out. He looks at the situation. He assesses it, quickly comes up with a plan. He says, I know what we need to do. We need to tie a rope around, around the tree, around the branch, and then uh, tie it to, uh, to the back of a car. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive slowly. The branch is going to lean down. As the branch leans down, we'll be able to just pluck the kitten out of the, uh, out, out of the branch. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? Sounds dumb to me, but anyway. Um, so anyway, he gets in the car, tie the rope, they start pulling, he starts driving off. As he drives off, sure enough, the branch is leaning, it's leaning, it's coming down. It's, a, it's just a few inches away where they can pick up the kitten. All of a sudden, the rope snaps. <laughs> kitten is flung through the air and see you later, kitten. <laughs> Well, that's the end of the story. I mean, that's, that's the, the moral of the story is not all stories end with a good note. Anyway, two weeks later, pastor's doing an, a, a visit. He goes into the house. He walks in, and there in the corridor is this little kitten. And he's pretty sure it's the kitten that he bought for his kids. He's shocked. He's surprised. And he speaks to the lady, and, he's, and he says, um, how long have you had this kitten? Well, she said, pastor, you're not going to believe the story. My son has been nagging me for a kitten for, for, for years. I've, I've just, I just hate cats, and I, I just didn't want, to, didn't want to buy him one. Anyway, we were outside in the backyard uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, my son was nagging me and nagging me, and, and, and I had enough. I said to him, listen what we're going to do. We're going to kneel down right now, and we're going to pray. <laughs> and if God wants to give you a cat, he's going to bring one right in right there. And if he doesn't, it means that it's not the will of God. So we kneeled down and we prayed. <laughs> and pastor, you're not going to believe it, but as we prayed, this <laughs> When we pray, coincidences happen. And when we don't, they don't. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Come on, church. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Why do we have a prayer time in a service? It's not just to fill it in. It's because we believe in the power of prayer. When we pray, coincidences happen. Question, are we praying for people that don't know Christ to come to know Christ? You see, the Bible tells us that the reason why people don't accept Christ is that they can't see Paul said the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You know, I've heard this again and again that, that the people before they came to know Christ, they were just resisting. They would hear the words. They would hear what they were talking about. But it's as if they couldn't see. And then at some point, it's like the lights went on. And suddenly they could see the gospel of Jesus Christ. They could see God for who he really is. Listen, there is a battle going on for the hearts and lives of people. And that battle is first and foremost spiritual. Please understand that. If that battle is going to be won, it's first and foremost going to be won in the spiritual realm and with spiritual weapons. And one of those weapons is prayer. Why do we have a prayer meeting at the first Wednesday of every month? I tell you why we have a prayer meeting. Because we believe in the power of prayer. This church might be whatever it is, wherever it is. If this church is going to move forward, it's going to be by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God. And so we pray and we seek after God. 
If this church is not going to move forward because of the programs and because of this or that or the music or this other thing, it's only going to be moved forward by the grace and the power of God. And so we pray. When we pray, coincidences happen. When we pray, things begin to change in our own lives. When we pray, things begin to change in people's lives. Jesus said, but you shall receive power. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Each of those countries represents an area of influence in our lives. And Jerusalem speaks to us about the people in our own circle of influence. They were in Jerusalem. And so, and so Jesus was saying, hey, you're going to be a witness first and foremost in Jerusalem within your own circle of influence. So we need to begin to pray for our friends and family and colleagues. Now, I know many of you are already doing this, but come on, let's ramp it up. Let's, let, let, let's, let's be more intentional in relation to this. We need to pray that their hearts will be softened. We need to pray that they will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray that they will recognize and acknowledge that there is a God in heaven. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Never underestimate the power of prayer. We're going to see that the lost come to Christ. And we need to pray with a sense of expectation and faith. We need, to, we need to pray, Lord, use me. We need, we need to pray, Lord, use me to be a witness for you. Isaiah is in the presence of God and he's having an experience. He's meeting God, he's speaking to God and, and, God, and God is saying, well, whom shall I send? And it's a great question, whom shall I send? I'm looking for someone to send. Who can I send? And Isaiah says, Lord, send me. Send me. So here's what I want us to do is come up with a list of people who encourage you. You know, you've got people in your circle of influence who may not know Christ as the Lord and Savior. And I just want you to begin to pray for them. Be intentional about praying for them in the name of Jesus. Second key strategy to sharing our faith is caring. If we're going to reach those who are far from God, then we need to care for people. John Maxwell says, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I believe today, more than ever, that's a reality. That, that, that people want to see Jesus before they hear about Jesus. People are watching our lives more than, more than they are listening to the words coming out of my Show me Jesus in you. There was someone who exemplified this principle. It was Jesus. Jesus had this capacity to connect with the marginalized, the crippled, the lame, the broken, the hopeless, the sinners, uh, those whom society had said... You don't belong. They love Jesus. Jesus had this ability to connect with people um, that were marginalized, that didn't know him. Sorry, let me back up. Two reasons why people don't come to Christ. There's, there's two reasons. Number one, um, they've never met someone who's talked to them about Jesus. Number one. Two reasons why people don't come to Christ. Number one, they've never met someone who's talked to them about Jesus. They've never met a Christian. Number two, second reason why they don't come to Christ, because they have met a Christian. <laughs> That's the second reason why they don't come to Christ. Jesus had this capacity to connect with people. They loved him. The marginalized of society, they loved him. They loved spending time with him. Uh, Luke chapter 15 says this. It says again and again, you read in the Bible, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Uh, that scripture just blows my mind. Um, why were they gathering around Jesus? What was so attractive about Jesus? They gathered around Jesus because they didn't feel judged or marginalized. They felt the love and compassion of Jesus. And friends, that ought to be the aroma of the church. 
Church ought to be a place where people feel loved and accepted. Church ought to be a place where people can come and, 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 and experience the love and the grace of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There's a great example of this when Jesus meets the woman at the well. Jesus is going through Samaria. His disciples are into town getting some food. Jesus goes to the well and the Samaritan woman comes to get some water. It's the middle of the day and it's hot. And she had everything going against her. She was a Samaritan. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. Um, she was broken, multiple relationships, living with a man. And what I love about Jesus is that he spends time with her. He begins to speak to her. He begins to minister to her. He doesn't judge her or condemn her or put her down. He speaks the truth to her in the context of love and acceptance. It's not Jesus just loves her and doesn't speak truth. He speaks the truth in the context of love and acceptance. Truth and love must always go together. Please understand that. She's so moved by this experience that her life is radically changed. So often as Christians, we think that to be a witness, we have to preach at people, give them the four spiritual laws, tell them turn or burn, walk around with placards saying, you know, if you don't give your life to Jesus, you're going to burn in hell. The thing that we need to communicate more than anything else to me is love and acceptance. And that doesn't mean we don't speak the truth. Of course we do. It's truth and love. It's the best form of parenting, truth and love. It's the best form of management and leadership, truth and love. Speak the truth, but always speak it in the context of love. It's how God deals with us. Isn't that how God deals with us? God doesn't beat us over the head again and again and again. The world says that that's how God deals with us. But God doesn't deal with us in, 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 in at all like that. Uh, God always comes to us in truth and love. The Gospel of John describes Jesus and says he was full of grace and full of truth. It's beautiful. He's full of grace and full of love, but full of truth as well. Meets the woman who was, who was, uh, who was caught in adultery, etc. Get to the whole scene and he finishes off and neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. How beautiful is that? And that's how God deals with us. Often when we think about what will make the greatest difference in people's lives, we think of miracles and signs and wonders and healings and power, and those are important. But notice this, Paul is describing the power, of, uh, the power gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is how he finished. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I love that scripture. See, in, in the modern world, we've become too intelligent. We don't need the, the miraculous anymore. We've, 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 we've put out the miraculous. And, and, and I believe more than ever, we do need to seek after this. I don't want to seem like I'm contradicting myself, but, but we do need to cry out to God and believe that, that, that you know, we're going to see the hand of God move amongst us. But listen what, what, uh, what Paul says here, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. What? Is there a more excellent way than the power gifts? I thought the power gifts were the best way and the greatest way. No, Paul says there's a more excellent way. And then he goes into 1 Corinthians 13, the great chapter of love. And he says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, listen carefully, if I have the faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. How much emphasis have we put on the faith that can move mountains, and yet we have not put as much emphasis on love? If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, 
that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Never underestimate the power of love, the love of God to draw people to Christ. People want to see Jesus. And sometimes caring for someone might be as simple as doing something. Keep your mouth closed and do something for the other person. That's the greatest witness at times. It's the greatest testimony. Sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is just pray for someone. They're describing to us, you know, what they're going through and the thing that we go, hey, listen, we're going to pray for you. The prayer request this morning is from someone in the church whose neighbor's not doing well and he brought the prayer request to church. We're going to pray for you in the name of Jesus. Never forget the power of prayer. Never forget the power of prayer. When we pray, coincidences happen. When we pray, things begin to change. And we are carriers of the presence of God. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us. Never underestimate the power of simply praying. How are we going to reach people that don't know Christ? Number one, pray. Number two, care. Number three, we need to be intentional about sharing. We need to be intentional about telling people about Jesus. Woman at the well was so impacted by her interaction with Jesus. The Bible says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward, the, toward him. Again, we don't point people to a religion. We certainly don't point them necessarily to a church in that sense. We point people to Jesus. One day, Jesus encounters a man that is set free from uh, demonic oppression. The man is so transformed that he begs Jesus to go with him. I love this scripture. It's just powerful. This man who's been completely set free, his life has, has talked about a 180 degree turn. I mean, his life is completely transformed and Jesus is about to leave and he begs Jesus, please let me come with you. He just wants to be with Jesus. And notice how Jesus responds to the man. Just notice this for a minute. He says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. And so the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Some of us come into faith, listen carefully, some of us come into faith and we just love to be with Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. It's a good place to start. We just love the presence of God. We love the worship songs. We love, we love, we love everything that we have. One of the reasons why we haven't gone to two services for a long time is because I just love the atmosphere that we have in the church. It's just beautiful. <laughs> And going to two services means that atmosphere is going to be mucked up a little bit. We're not going to have that same intensity in both services. And, and so there's this being concerned. Well, well, why should we make things difficult for us when everything is so nice? This man just wants to be with Jesus. Just feel the presence of God. Jesus says to him, no, don't come with me. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. There's the mission of the church. There's the mission of the church. We spend time with Jesus. We come to church. We refuel our batteries. We recharge our batteries. We are eco-friendly here. We recharge our batteries. And then we go out and we become witnesses for Jesus. We pray, we care, and then we share. What do we share? We share the story of what Jesus has done in our lives. Greatest sermon ever preached is our personal story. There is no sermon greater than your story. One day Jesus healed this blind boy. Jesus made the mistake of healing on a Sabbath. For goodness sake, Jesus, who do you think you are, God? <laughs> he heals on a Sabbath. He knew the rules. 
You're not supposed to heal on a Sabbath. Problem was, this boy had been healed. So they call him and his parents and they're questioning, when did it happen? How did it happen? What happened? And I love his response. Whether he, Jesus, is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Some people think that to share their faith, they have to study the Greek, go to the Bible college, study more. Study is good, but the greatest message we can preach is our own story. I used to be like this. I was going through this, and then somebody, somebody spoke to me about Jesus. They invited me to church one day, and, and I, I, I didn't want to go, and I resisted it again and again and again. I said, no, no, no. One time I said, well, I'm just going to go. <laughs> and I went to church, and I heard a message about Jesus. I opened up my heart to Christ. I invited him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I can't explain it to you, but something changed in my life. Something happened in my life. Something changed. How many people would testify to that and speak about the reality of what Jesus has done? Three people, that's fine. Sharing our faith involves praying and caring. And at the appropriate time, sharing what Jesus has done in our lives. Isaiah says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no greater endeavor that we can get involved with than to see people come to Christ. And as we move into two services, I want us to be crystal clear about the reason why we're doing this as a church. I want to make sure that we don't get our eye off uh, the reason why we're here as a church. I want to make sure that we don't get distracted. Come on, church, listen to me. You're getting distracted right now. <laughs> Everybody, welcome the worship team to the stage. Good on you guys. Great to have you with us. They were here from 7.30 this morning. Amazing. We love you guys. I want us, I want us to remember what this is really all about. Come on, church, listen to me carefully. There are some people in our Jerusalem... And if we don't speak to them, no one else will. Well, Jesus will, will speak to find someone. But why not it be us? There are some people in our Jerusalem that need to know Jesus Christ. There are some people in our Jerusalem that are struggling right now. They're going through some hardships right now. And those hardships could be remedied by, by them coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There are some people depressed and anxious. There are some people going through all kinds of stuff right now that if we just introduce them to Jesus, if they came to know Jesus Christ, their marriages would be different, their families would be different, their lives would be different. Now I want to pray and believe that we're going to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yes, we want to see the power of God manifest amongst us. We want to see miracles, healing, marriages restored, people set free from oppression. We want all of that. I'm praying for all of that. Yes, we want to come to church and enjoy the worship, participate in the worship. Feel the presence of God as we begin to lift our voice to Him. We want that. We want to come to church and hear the Word of God, the revelation of the Word of God. 
We want to pray that every time we gather that God's word is fresh and anointed and impacting. And I encourage you to pray. Oh God, speak to me. Oh God, bless the word this Sunday. But more than all of that, we want to see people come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells a story of in 2 Kings about a city that was under siege. There was a famine. The way they overtook a city back then, it was really simple. They surrounded it and made sure that no one went in. And so, and they were patient. And so very, after a few months, uh, food would start to run out and there would be a massive famine. Well, that's what happened in this one situation. There was this massive famine. The people were starving to death. And God did this amazing miracle. Enemy was defeated. And they fled their camps and left everything. Just, you can read the story in 2 Kings. Four lepers happened to stumble into this camp looking for food. They decided they were dying. They thought, why don't we just go into the enemy camp and we'll just see if they might. They'd either give us some food or they'll kill us. Either way, we're going to die anyway. So they stumble into this camp only to find no one was around. Everybody had fled. Place was empty. And so they ate and drank. They took some of the spoils. They were happy. And then they said to each other after being there for a while, they said, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. One of the biggest problems with the church is spiritual constipation. (laughs) We're eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. And we just keep eating. But we're never passing on what we've received. I pray that as a church, we will feast on the blessing of God. We we will eat at the Lord's table. Thank God for His mighty blessing. But we're not going to keep it to ourselves because we've got some good news that we can pass on. Pray that Life Church will always be a church that reaches people who are far from God. Praying, caring, and sharing. Say it with me. Come on. Praying, caring. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So we're going to do. I just want every eye closed, every head bowed. I just acknowledge that there are some people here that may need a miracle this morning. And, you know, I've spoken about the power of God and, and the gifts of God. And, and I don't want to make light of your need this morning. Don't want to make light of your need. Because some people are desperate for the power of God to be manifest. I'm going to pray for you just right now. All I want you to do, if that's you, just, just quickly stand up, just right where you are. Just stand up and I'm going to pray for you. And then we'll finish off the service. If you just need a miracle, you just stand up. Just, that's right. I'm just going to pray with you. It's just saying, God, I, I just need you. I need you to intervene. We've spoken about the power of prayer. We've spoken about the fact that God is a God of miraculous. So I understand it's going to take a bit of faith to stand, but come on, just do it right now. If there's somebody else, you're just feeling it. You can feel it inside of you. I should be standing. Don't resist what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That's right. God is a good God. God is an amazing God. So Father, I just thank you for your word today. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that is present here today. 
believe, Father God, that you're the God of the impossible. You said, greater things than these shall ye do, for I go to make intercession for you. Your word says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I just pray for every individual that's standing right now. I just pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit would come upon them, that they would testify to the power and the greatness of God in the name of Jesus. Bind every work of the enemy, every attack of the enemy would come against it in the name of Jesus. Let your name be glorified in and through their lives, even today. And I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you that you're going to minister to them. I thank you, Father, we're going to hear testimonies of your greatness. I thank you, Father God, for what you're going to do in their lives, in our lives. We need you, Father. We need you, Father. I just pray that as a church, we will always be a church that reaches out to people beyond ourselves, praying, caring, sharing and that we would see a harvest of souls not for our glory but for your glory in the name of Jesus amen and amen you may be seated thank you